is, okay? So uh, this gospel-centered community, first, I want you to see that it requires believers to love each other personally. Love each other personally. You see it there in verse nine, we are to let love be without hypocrisy. You see it again there in verse 10, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Twice Paul commands believers to love one another. So David, can you help us unpack what's happening here in verses nine and 10? Yeah, that's a very important concept to understand. What does it mean to love people personally? And there are two words, Kenneth, that kind of pops out for me. The first word is hypocrisy. And in verse 9, it says, let love be without hypocrisy. And this word hypocrisy is referring to an ancient actor who'd wear a mask to cover who they really were and pretend and fake in front of a group. So listen to the verse now. Let love be without faking, pretending. When we love that way, we hurt others and we're hurt. And, and that's most relationships in this world outside of Jesus, I believe. Yeah. We're just putting on this mask because we just don't want people to see what's really going on in our lives because if they knew, they may not like us. Yeah. It's more of a conditional kind of love, I would see it as. Mm. So this hypocrisy piece is very important. And then I love this word. It says, not only hate evil, but cling to what is good. Cling. The word in the Greek is actually translated to attach with desperation. So attach with desperation what is good. Yeah. Why is this? Because the world's getting darker and darker. You guys see the news. You're, you're looking at your social media feeds. You're seeing what's going on. You're seeing what's going on in the schools and, and, and it's getting darker and darker. And so Paul here is saying to us, desperately cling on to the goodness of God. We yeah. just sang about that earlier. Yeah. And, and then in verse 10, we transition to verse 10. It says this. It says, love one another deeply. Love one another deeply. And I'm reminded of the first Peter verse that talks about love one another deeply from the heart. And, and this takes courage. Yeah. Because when you love people deeply, it, it causes us to speak the truth in love. Yeah, that's right. it, it causes sometimes us to be in awkward situations because we love people. As parents, you guys get it if you're a parent in this room, right? You love your kids so much that, that you want to make sure that you show them deep love by speaking truth to them, to helping them and guiding them. A lot of relationships and, 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 and that we have in this world, they don't love people deeply. Yeah. It takes courage to do that. And you may be in a relationship right now that it's been really, really hard and there's been tension in that relationship and it calls for a deeper love that you and I can even muster up in our own self. It causes God to well up inside of us. So how do you love people deeply? I mean, do we just get stronger and try harder and muster it up? No, the Apostle Paul says this, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters, as family, family. close up. Yeah. And listen, when we get close to each other, we see all the warts and the wounds and the hurts, right? And all the imperfections when you get close to people. Yeah. But Paul says here, love people deeply, get close to them in your life. Don't be afraid, let them see you up close. Love people deeply. As brothers and sisters, as family, and if your family's like mine, I mean, my family's dysfunctional. We have all kinds of things going on, and I add to the dysfunction myself, right? So, so in that, all that big mess, in the messiness of it all, love people deeply. Yeah, 100%. That's so good. So in many ways, as believers, we need relationships that can bear the burden of truth. You need to have people in your life who love you enough to tell you the truth. I've got a lot of blind spots, a lot of areas of weakness in my life. And so God has been so gracious and kind to put other people in my life to point them out. Yeah. My question is, are you rebukable? 
Now, that word's not in the dictionary, but it's my word, and I'm going to use it, okay? Are you rebukable? Uh, Proverbs says, a wise man loves rebuke. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Are you open to people calling you out, saying, hey, I love you so much, you're acting like an idiot? What a gift to have people in your life who will say that to you because you guess what? Sometimes we are. And so God puts people in your life to do that. It's what a gospel-centered community. But this love, to David's point, it, it comes not from us trying to love more. It's out of the overflow of the love that God has already shown us in Jesus to make us family. Because God has loved us, we are now compelled to love one another. But did you notice the opposite of love there in verse 9? hate now that's a word we try to take out of the vocabulary of our children now, you shouldn't say hate but God does call believers to hatred but the question is what are we to hate the answer is in scripture we're commanded to hate evil we are to hate sin now note it does not say hate the sinner okay we don't hate people no 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 no, no. we love people why because we used to be the ones who were doing the evil but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love for us. God who loved us even to the point, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We love people. And at the same time, we have a, a hatred towards evil and sin. And we have this kind of culture within us in which we let love just abound in our relationships. So we love each other personally. I want you to see, secondly, we serve one another tangibly. Verse 13, he says, share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. When you read there, the, the share with all the saints, it reminds me of the early church in Acts 2. When we studied last year, where the early church, no one held anything to themselves. If anyone had a need, the church would meet those needs. Everyone was open-handed. There was this sharing mentality saying, listen, if anyone has a need, we're going to make sure we as a church take care of it. And one of the things I love is as a pastor, I get a front row seat to seeing that take place all throughout our church. That when someone has a baby or someone gets sick or has surgery, seeing the small group, the life group, the community around them provide meals child care. Hey, we're going to cut your grass for you. Seeing the church be the church. This is a picture of what God calls us to do as followers of Jesus in which we are serving each other with intangible ways. Christy and I got to experience this ourselves a couple of years ago when our daughter had surgery and people right here in this room came and saw us at the hospital and brought her toys and they prayed with us and they brought me coffee so I could stay awake. And it was just amazing seeing our family being loved and well cared for. What was happening? It was Romans 12, 13. It was sharing with the saints in their needs. And this is what we pursue as followers of Jesus. David, what would you add to that? These, these words, share with the saints. I, I want to highlight the word saint. You may not come from a Protestant background um, or a religious background, and when you hear the word saint, you think of a kind of a, an elevated Christ follower person, right? But actually, this is referring to a Christian, someone who's set apart, and Paul refers to Christians throughout the New Testament as yeah. saints. And so it says, share with Christians. Share with Christians. And, and sharing, sharing life intimately, it, it's it involves ups and downs. Yeah. And it's not always, we, we love being with people when times are great. But when times are difficult, it's really, really hard to share life with people, right? But we're called to do that. We're to share 
with the saints. And then it says, um, and it says pursue. Pursuing takes effort and prioritizing. Mm-hmm. And I want to give two examples of these words. One is I recently led a group called Seven for Home Group Leaders in a home. And it was amazing to share life. Just seven weeks, Kenneth. I mean, it was just such a short period of time. But we got in each other's life deeply. Matter of fact, at the very end of the group, one of the couples went through a really, really hard time. And this home group, it totally rallied around this couple. Meals and going to the hospital and emails and visits. It was awesome. Yeah. And I just sat back. I was just full of so much joy. And then the pursuing. When I think about pursuing our life groups, there's so many leaders, there's so many people inside the life groups pursuing one another, pursuing one another, right? And so I just want to put those words before you that sharing hospitality and pursuing people is what the Christian life is about and it makes yeah. it so meaningful. So, meaningful so the word hospitality, uh, it means to welcome a stranger. Yeah, it's beautiful. So as we think about even people in this room, you may not know. Mm. To you, they're strangers and so I wanna encourage you, hey listen, do you have a life group? No, 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 you don't, man, come, come be a part of us. You see, Christians are to be an inclusive people to, who believe in exclusive gospel. We include people saying, hey, get in here. You're welcome. We want you to be a part of this. Why? Because we have been brought in, we have been included by the blood of Christ. So Paul says that you who once were far off have now been brought near by the blood of Christ. And so now as those who have been included by Jesus, we want to make sure unbelievers uh, and even believers who don't feel included, hey, you can too can get in on this. Like the gospel is open to everybody. So which means... Maybe looking around the room saying, hey, who can I take coffee? Who can I get breakfast and lunch with? Having these meaningful relationships with people. You, you invite people, you include them, but you have to pursue it. This doesn't just happen naturally. You're busy. I'm busy. It is hard to carve out time to, to create this, but you have to. You budget your schedule to say, I'm gonna find ways where I can pursue this. The third thing, that we see in the text, is that we are to empathize with one another emotionally. Verse 15, Paul says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Paul's describing a people who are emotionally intertwined with one another. We see this displayed most perfectly in the most perfect emotional person there ever was, Jesus. That when he was at funerals, he would weep. When he saw someone who was lost or hurting, he had compassion. Jesus knew how to emotionally meet the person he was engaging where they were. And as followers of Jesus who seek to become like Jesus, we do the same. We grow in our emotional intelligence by clinging to the gospel, following Jesus, and we do the same with one another. That when we see someone in our life group or someone in our, our community where all of a sudden, man, they're growing in the gospel, we celebrate. We rejoice with those who rejoice. When someone has a, a prayer they've been praying for years and it's finally answered, we rejoice with them. If someone has a baby, we celebrate the birth of new life. And we also, we grieve with those who grieve. When someone has someone they love who passes away, we grieve with them. Last week, uh, I was made aware of five different families in our church who had someone who passed away in their family in the one week. That was, a, that was a tough week. A lot of phone calls, a lot of grieving with people, loving them well through that. This is what we do when someone we know and love starts walking in sin. We grieve with them. When someone we love gets sick, 
We grieve. This is what it means to be in community is we're so emotionally intertwined with one another. We are able to empathize with one another. We rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. But hear me on this. You cannot fulfill verse 15 by showing up for an hour a week. You cannot fulfill what this is calling us to do. It takes time and intentionality and stepping out of your comfort zone and going and introducing yourself to someone you don't know. And it's hard, y'all, but you gotta be willing to step out of that comfort zone and coming and sitting in the same place for an hour because if we're gonna do what scripture is calling us to do, it means we've got to go and live this out. One anothering requires being in community with other believers. David, Mm. what would you add to that? I love the phrase when it says, weep with those who weep. I think one of the greatest honors that I can receive from a person is when they're vulnerable enough to weep in front of me and with me. And one of the most vulnerable places I can be is when I weep with someone, right? It goes from sympathy to empathy. Yeah. And then when you leave that, you carry them and that with you. You guys know what I'm talking about when that mm-hmm. happens? There's a Jewish tradition in the Jewish faith called sitting Shiva. And sitting Shiva requires people to come alongside a loved one who's going through a really hard time. It requires a seven-day period. The only thing is you can't talk. You just sit in the dirt with someone. And you cry and you listen and you empathize. Mm-hmm. Right? Weeping with those who weep. Maybe you've been weeping with someone this week. And you're just grateful to God that they came alongside you, yeah. right? Or maybe you're just holding those tears in right now. You're just trying to be strong. I'm gonna be strong. But you're dying inside. Let other people come into your life so you can share those burdens with them. That's right, so good. Y'all, it requires sacrifice. It requires intentionality. It means you gotta reprioritize your life. And I get it. I got five kids. I'm walking it with you. It's really hard. We're all busy. But if we're gonna be faithful, which, oh, this is what we're pursuing. This is, it requires us being willing to make adjustments in our lives to make room for this gospel-centered community. The fourth thing I want you to see from the text is that we are to live in harmony with one another. So what he says there in verse 16, live in harmony with one another. This is the pursuit of the believer in which we're continually pursuing unity, the spirit of unity and the, the bond of peace, that we're a people who, who love one another well, that when, when someone sins against us, not if, but when, and it's gonna happen, we're, we're broken people, but we have the gospel, right? We, we confront them, we, we, we repent, we forgive, we reconcile, we lock arms, and we march forward in joy. This is what we do. We live in unity. Whenever uh, my kids start arguing and Christy and I have had it up to here, we'll ask them, hey, what does Psalm 133.1 say? And they go, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. That's how it comes out. One day it's going to stick. I promise you it's going to stick one day. But it's so true. A unified church is a foretaste of heaven. Hmm, I like that. When brothers and sisters in, G- in Jesus who love each other and we're together, we're unified around the gospel and loving one another, oh, how sweet and pleasant it, and good it is. But for us to experience that, we've got to be a, a people full of grace. Like we're gracious to one another. We, we give benefit of the doubt. Uh, we're, we're slow to anger. We're slow to accuse 
We're a people who are abounding in love for one another, that we're willing to do whatever it takes as far as it depends upon us. I know you're about to go there. We want to make it so that we can pursue unity and peace within relationships. David, where would you go with that? Yeah, and that's the verse, Kenneth. Verse 18, look at verse 18. And I want you to underline these words, if possible, if possible. Everybody say, if possible. If possible. If possible. This is really important. Because if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Yeah. We only can do our part. It has to be, there are two people that cause a conflict, and both parties contribute to the conflict. As long as we do our part and we're humble and we're faithful what God is telling us to do, and we pray for the other person, that's what God's calling us to do. And many of you right now, you're struggling. Because you've done what you need to do and the other person is not being reciprocal with you. And it's breaking your hearts right now. Continue to pray for that relationship. It takes two to get in that mess. God's faithful. That's so good. So Kenneth, what are you calling us to? Well, it's the impact point and it's this. Live out the one another commands in a group with Westwood. This is what I'm calling our, our entire church to is to live out these one another commands. There are, I, this week, there are more, I found more than 50 one another commands in the New Testament, one another's. You cannot live that out in isolation. You have to live in community to fulfill those one another's. And so it takes intentionality and having those, those relationships that you can apply those things to love one another, forgive one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Be hospitable to one another. Outdo one another in showing honor. Well, we wanted to kind of paint a picture for you of what this looks like. And the couple that we've gotten to see God do an incredible work through their life group is John and Stacy Bull. And so I'd like to invite John and Stacy up onto the platform just to kind of join uh, David and I. John and Stacy, um, great family. We're so grateful. I mean, they're at Westwood and um, they've been walking through a really hard season uh, for several years. And um, this morning, they're gonna kind of share with us what their life group did and what it meant to them as they walked through this season. So question one for you guys is how long have you been at Westwood and how long have you been in a life group? So we've been at Westwood about five years um, and in our life group about four. Okay, about five years and four. Um, What has it been like being in a life group? What have they meant to you as you all have walked through this season? Uh, Well, about two years ago, John and I uh, found out that we can't have children, Um, and so we shared that with our small group, and they um, grieved that with us and helped us to process that and to pray about what God had for us next. And so um, the Lord revealed to us that his plan was for us to adopt. Um, so when we told him on a Sunday morning, we said, hey guys, um, we, uh, we're going to adopt. And by the way, we're going to do it 100% debt free. That's what we're believing for. And they, they jumped in they said, okay, let's do it. We're with you. We let's do it. Let's bring home baby bull. And, and they did, they prayed with us. They, um, you know, we're there at 5am to set up for yard sales and all the fundraisers and everything. Um, through all the good and the bad and this summer uh we had a failed match and um they really uh were there for us they grieved that with us that was the hardest thing that we've ever walked through um in our marriage and uh, the lord just really used our small group to carry us through that um just by sitting with us and crying with us and crying out to the lord and encouraging us not to give up 
um, that he was going to hold true to his promise um, mm. to bless us with a child. And um, in October, we matched with our son. Um, he's over there with his grandparents. Um, and they rejoiced with us because it wasn't just our prayer that was answered. It was their prayer that was answered as well. Um, so we we know that we, we wouldn't have our son if it wasn't for our small group because they encouraged us to keep going and prayed alongside us. So good. That is so good. So there's people in the room here who um, don't know you very well, and your issue may not be their issue, but they're living in isolation, and, and they have other issues that's big and important to them, right? So what would you say to them as far as why get in a group? I mean, why even do that? Because their lives are busy too, and just kind of speak into their lives a little bit. <clears throat> so I would say uh, make this the year that you get in a, in a life group. Um, it's just such a huge blessing when you get involved with a, a community of other believers, um, whether you're going through good things, bad things, you just have a group of people that are there praying with you, supporting you, um, and just carrying you through whatever you're going through in life. So I definitely say get involved in a group. Um, you know, we're called to take the gospel to unbelievers, but we're also called to be together in community and fellowship and lift each other up. And um, your life group, those people, that's who you're doing life with. They're going to be there in the good times, and they're going to dig you out of the trenches as well. That's amazing. Well, Faith Family, this is a picture uh, of a family that has experienced the grace of Jesus through groups. Having gospel-centered community matters. Your soul needs it, and it's been great even to hear how the Lord has used it in your all's life. And I'm so grateful for y'all sharing that with us today. Can we thank the Lord for the Bull family? Thank you guys so much. That's so good. Oh, what, a, what a morning, huh? That's strong. That's oh, so that's good. Yeah. So David, what does this look like for us moving forward as a church? What's the call you yeah. want to place for our faith That's family? a great question. It's one thing for, for people and myself to hear a sermon and go, that's great, and I learned this, and I agree with that, I disagree with that, or wow, I learned something new. But what the hard thing is, is when you take the next step, the now what? Yeah. You know, the now what? So what is, what is the now what looks like? You see, we're grateful you guys are here in this building and sitting in chairs, and we love worshiping together. But we really believe that life change happens in community, going from a, a row to a circle. And so maybe some of you have never experienced that before, and this is the year that you guys can jump into a community, a group, not just like a book club or just a hobby group, but like a spiritual gospel-centered group. And that's a lot different. Some of you have never been in one of those and it kind of freaks you out thinking about it. You're not alone. There's many who have not. Uh, you may be here and you're in a group. And, and I just want to say, awesome way to go. Stay in that group. God may be calling you to new things, leading groups or helping out in the group that you're in in different ways. Just we're so excited you're in one of our groups. And finally, I want to speak to another group. Um, I don't want you to be ignored. You're not a faith follower. You're not a Jesus person. You're not a Christian. And I just want to tell you, we're grateful you're here. Yeah. These groups are for you guys too. It's okay. It'll be a safe place. You'll be loved. You can ask all kinds of questions, right? You may not even know what's in the Bible. We've all been there. Yep. Right? Yep. And you don't even know how to read this thing. There'll be a group of people that come around you and love you unconditionally versus all the other groups that are just conditionally kind of loved, hmm. right? And so um, we, we want to invite you into that. And so we have all kind of groups at our church that meet throughout the year, men's groups, women's groups. We have precept and, and just a bunch of other ones. But I want to highlight three groups for you guys, just three. And there's some materials out in a kiosk in the lobby and on the tables over here. And we want to give you a step. We want to challenge you. Because here's the deal. I don't want to come into church and go, I'm good. I don't need to change anything in my life, right? Mm -hmm. I want somebody to push me. We're going to nudge you a little bit, okay? So there are three groups. 
Three kind of groups I want to highlight here this morning. The first are life groups, and these guys talked about life groups. There's a brochure, has all kind of life groups that are on campus. Some of them are off campus. Mostly they have child care provided for you. They're open groups. You can join them at any time. There's a group of people in that place from all different backgrounds, all different ages. Check out a life group. Matter of fact, a bunch of them are meeting right now in the groups building. These are our life groups. The new group I want to introduce to you guys are our home groups, and we're going to start these this month, and there's an informational sheet out there for you as well. We're starting three groups, two on Sunday night, one on Thursday night, and these groups are closed groups for two semesters, and there are breaks in between, and these are for people who just prefer to be in a home. It's not better or worse. They're just not in a, in a building here on the campus, but they're actually in a home, and they meet during the week. And they share meals together and they share life together. And um, we'll have childcare for the Sunday night groups for you too as well. So check out a home group. That's another option for you. And the final group I want to introduce to you is the Westwood Institute. Man, we are so jazzed and so excited about the Westwood Institute. 18 weeks, it's going to be in this facility right here. There will be different communicators from counselors to lawyers to seminary professors to seminary educated people. It's going to be an amazing time of journeying together and the deeper things of the faith. People inside our church outside the church i may let you teach one of them i love too, that that'd right, be great thank one. you and i heard your wife is a good teacher too, by she she'll, she'll be she'll be teaching 100%. as well so make sure that if you want to come on a wednesday night we'll be in here for an hour we'll have notebooks for you and resources for you your life group or your home group can come to it too if there's one person uh, that kind of strikes a chord with you like david johnson's gonna be teaching here really soon you may want to hear this guy teach and others come and check this out okay now as we land the plane yeah we're busy, like you said, right? We all have things to do. Why get in a group? Why get in a home group, a life group? And why go to the Westwood Institute? Why get involved in other groups in our church? Because we want to make sure that you're sharp spiritually. Mm-hmm. Who wants to be dull mm-hmm. and dry spiritually? Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says this. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Man, I want to be sharp. Mm-hmm. I want to get around people who are different from me. Who, if it wasn't for this group, I'm like, I wouldn't even be your friend if it wasn't for this group. And I'm so glad I didn't miss this friendship. I mean, mm-hmm. this, this has changed my life, right? I want to challenge you to get in a group. If you're not in a group, stay in your group and step up in another way, right? Or, or be a part of this Westwood Institute. There are cards um, outside, actually inside our auditorium. It says groups on it. You can fill this thing out. If you don't want to talk to anybody, you want to be, you're just not sure what you want to do with it, just drop it off in a box. Or you can go to a kiosk out there where there's leaders right now waiting for you to answer your questions, to talk about their life groups or home groups and the institute itself. I mean, that, that's pretty exciting to think. I look at these faces out here. I'm thinking, man, what if two? What if, what if 10? See, I'm, I'm going to make a change. I'm, mm. I'm going to do it differently this time. Mm. And, and your marriage will be better for it. You will be better for it. Your friendships will be better for it. You'll sleep better at night, I think, too. Right? <laughs> Come on. Be, people will be that. wearing us out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's my encouragement to you. And I hope that you get plugged in. If I or Kenneth or the team can serve you and answer any questions, we'd love to do that too as well. That's so good. And I've never heard the word jazzed used in a message. That's <laughs> awesome, man. Well, pretty, pretty jazzed, man. That's yeah, so good. Yeah. Faith, um, it hit me this morning as I was thinking about this message. Um, I want to finish well. I'm not sure about you, but I want to be sprinting across the finishing tape of my life and fall into the arms of Jesus. David and I have been in ministry a long time. People who walk away from the faith usually walk away first from the church. If you're going to make it as a passionate, faithful follower of Jesus at the end of your life, 
You need the church. Not only coming and sitting in here, although it's essential, you also need community. There's a reason that the the writer of Hebrews, who's writing to Jewish Christians who are being persecuted for their faith and they're thinking about leaving the faith, he tells them in Hebrews 10, 25, do not forsake gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. And I think, unfortunately, the pandemic has created this habit in the life of many believers where they think, I'm good. I can watch online periodically when it fits my schedule. If you wanna persevere in the gospel, you need the people in this room who know you and love you. They know the great things about you and the not so great things about you. And they're gonna love you just the same and walk with you because this is how we are going to persevere to the end. Encourage one one another all the more, David says. Uh, Paul says, come on, Bruce. Encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. You need gospel community. I encourage you, take that next step so we can grow in health and become more like Jesus.